0: Hello and welcome to the Midweeks with Pastor Rob. Uh, Today I am starting uh, a walk through Romans in the midweeks. I'm doing a Bible study with some friends from church through the book of Romans. We're using this really helpful study guide uh, written by Jared Wilson on Romans. And so um, I'm going to be sharing some stuff that I'm learning or have learned so that you can go through Romans with me or anybody from the Bible study who wants to can check this out and maybe add to what they're learning and the process that they're in. Um, So chapter one of the Bible study guide that we're looking at is kind of just thinking about the background of the letter of Romans and the chapters aren't huge. So I just wanted to share some other background stuff. That's kind of interesting to think about and know about as we're going through the letter. Um, Roman uh, Rome, The letter was written to Rome, the Christians in Rome. Rome was really considered the center of the universe at that time. um, It was already a very old city, hundreds and hundreds of years old. And this city had gone out throughout um, some of Europe and Greece and the Middle East and northern Africa and like Egypt and conquered pretty much everything. Uh, The Roman people were really famous for two things. Um, Let's make that three. Really famous for three things. One, they were uh, zealous administrators. They loved getting things organized. And number two, they were uh, very capable soldiers and in the military world, very, very, very effective. And a big part of that was that they organized their armies rigorously. And because of their organization, they were able to march faster and fight longer than other people they were up against. So they usually won. And they were super religious. So they uh, they had their pantheon of gods. They had their gods over Rome. And their entire religious life was totally bound up with their political life. Um, They didn't have any kind of concept of a separation between church and state. Everything about their lives was religious, was about the gods and omens and uh, pleasing the gods and avoiding bad omens and all this kind of stuff. So, uh, this was what Rome Rome was famous for: their religion, their their administration, ruling the world, and the their brutal success as a military might and so this had been going on for years and years and years and rome was um, a republic for a long long time they had a king in their very early years and they got rid of him and they as a republic they were uh, meant to be a city that was ruled by like a senate so a group of leaders who got together and made laws and decisions together as a group so if you're wondering what that would look like imagine canada but without a prime minister. So just the MPs getting together without like one leader who's the leader for long term. Sometimes the Senate would elect a a leader for war or something like that for a short time, but it's meant to be just the senators ruling over Rome. Or imagine the United States without a president. That's what Rome was supposed to look like. But a few years before Jesus came to the world, uh, a guy named Julius Caesar came he, he was a very successful uh, military leader, a general in Rome. And through one thing and another, he became the dictator over Rome. So the one man ruling over the entire empire, which included Jerusalem. And he was assassinated. And the person who became emperor in his place was a man named Octavius or Augustus and he is the one that was ruling over the empire when Jesus was born. So if you go into Luke and you read the story of uh, Jesus being born, it's Caesar Augustus's decree for all the world to be taken census of that led Mary and Joseph to go to Bethlehem at the time that Jesus would be born. So I'm just trying to draw together the connections between Rome and the Christian faith. And so it was a Caesar in Rome, an emperor in Rome, who made that decree that brought Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem so that Jesus could be born in Bethlehem and fulfill the prophecies about the Messiah coming from Bethlehem. So Caesar Augustus thought he was ruling the world, but it was actually God ruling the world and bringing his son into the world exactly how he said he would by using this this pagan ruler. uh, Augustus lived for a long time and was considered kind of a good emperor. He brought a lot of uh, wealth and stability to uh, Rome and to the world. Um, He eventually died, and a guy named Tiberius was um, Caesar in his place. And I think he started off okay, but by by the end he he went crazy so the last 10 years of his rule were kind of characterized by these things called treason trials where he was convinced that almost everyone was out to get him and they probably were and so there was all these trials going on where people would get arrested um then they would get uh convicted and killed and all of their stuff would be like claimed by caesar and so he be, probably became really wealthy that way and so when uh tiberius died and i think he may have been poisoned um Everyone was really relieved, and this young guy named Caligula came up in his place. And Caligula was a true madman. And so, I'm just I'm trying to give you some background. This is Rome's history. This is the history of this city. the The emperors, um, with after Augustus dies, they started to get treated like they were gods. So people started to worship Augustus after he died. They started treating him like he was a god. Same thing happened with Tiberius. And um, when Caligula came to become emperor, he was pretty young. And so there was kind of this hope, Yay, yeah, he'll live for a long time and be a good ruler. But he turned out to be a total madman, loved torturing people. Um, uh, just part of his craziness, um, he would invite people to his house for dinner. And then he would select a couple and he would take the wife and, um, and brutalize her in his bedroom and then come back and describe to the group what he had just done. And no one could do anything because he would have them killed right away um, there's this story where he ordered all these cargo ships to be lashed together across a bay and then he had them filled with with earth and then he rode his horse across the earth on these boats for that 's two miles of boats it was two miles of boats. Um, just as like a display of power. They they had said that somebody in his youth had said, uh, Caligula is more likely to ride his horse across this bay than, than to become emperor. Now, the fallout, besides the massive money wasted on filling hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of boats full of earth, was that um, a near famine started because Rome was totally dependent on grain being shipped in from Egypt, and all these boats that were supposed to be shipping grain were stuck in a harbor so that Caligula could ride his horse across them. So this was kind of this madman that was ruling over Rome. So they had 10 years of nobody knows when you might get sucked into the treason trials and get killed, followed by this madman who thought he was God. He started acting like he was God on earth, except he was crazy. And so Caligula was also assassinated. And he was followed by this guy named Claudius. Uh, Claudius was a hunchback and a stutterer. And so no one could really figure out how he became emperor, but uh, the Royal Guard who was in charge of um, protecting the Caesars decided that he would be the next Caesar after Caligula was killed. And so Claudius um, came into power and he, he had to defuse something like 300 attempted assassinations in his life. But Claudius interacts with the Bible um, in Acts chapter 18, Paul meets uh, two Jews, uh, Aquila and his wife Priscilla, who become partners with him in the gospel. And he meets them, and I think it's in Corinth. He meets them there because Claudius ejected all of the Jews from Rome. And so we don't totally know what happens, but um, it what probably happened was that there were as the gospel was being preached in rome there's probably some riots and there's this one reference to something called the crestus riots in some roman annals somewhere and what some people think is that he's probably meant the christus or the christos riots in greek christos and in latin crestus they might have gotten his name wrong so what probably was happening was with the what could have been happening i don't know probably there was probably these riots in rome having to do with preaching Jesus, just like there were riots everywhere in the world. Whenever Jesus got preached, people got upset. And so Claudius ejected all of the Jews out of Rome. And that's how Paul met Aquila and Priscilla. Um, sometime after that, the, the Jews must have been let back in because there was a really large Jewish population in Rome at the, at the time of the writing of this letter, obviously. Anyhow, Claudius um, was... Emperor for quite a long time, and he had a terrible family uh, fortunes. His wife uh, was seduced by this other prominent man in Rome who wanted to have Claudius killed. And so they got this idea, why don't we get married and then kill my husband? And then since I'm the emperor's wife, you'll become the new emperor. That was their idea. So they they literally got married while Claudius was out on business for a while. And Claudius was coming back to Rome and found out that his wife had married another guy under his, (laughs) while he was still alive. And uh, so she got... uh, executed for treason and claudius ended up marrying his niece okay so that that's just wrong even the romans thought that was wrong he ended up marrying his niece and his niece's name was agrippina and agrippina's son from another marriage was his name was nero okay and nero was emperor when this letter was written to rome and at the time nero was i think fairly peaceful as an emperor he um he had a few good years at the beginning and then kind of went off the rails and became somewhat like a little caligula and became famous in church history for uh, persecuting the church and lighting christians on fire to uh light his garden parties but right now things were kind of peaceful so this is kind of the larger Context, some of the history in the city of Rome when Paul is writing his letter to the Romans. And Paul has kind of two reasons for writing the letter to the Romans. Number one, he wants to come to them and encourage them in their faith. And so he's kind of presenting his gospel to them um, so that they know who he is before he gets there. Um, also, he wants to get sent on from them to do missionary work. Further on in Spain so past Rome um, in Spain and so by presenting his gospel to them they can you know get a good feel for who he is and want to support him as he goes on to Spain but this is the, the larger context of all the craziness of the Roman world happening while the church is beginning to grow there so for me, I find this, this, this history stuff fairly, fairly interesting. Um, it's also important to remember that Paul is a Roman citizen. Uh, we find this out in the book of Acts a couple of times where Paul is arrested and maybe he's been tortured, which is illegal to torture a Roman citizen without a trial first. Um, and the reason at the end of Acts that Paul ends up in Rome to testify before Caesar is because he's a Roman citizen. It's his right to say, I want to be judged by Caesar. So he's out in Jerusalem or he's out somewhere else and they want to try him and maybe kill him or something like that. And so he, as a Roman citizen, has the right to appeal to Caesar and get sent to Rome and that's why the last few chapters of Acts happened with the the ship going down and all that stuff so he is writing to the church in a city that he is a citizen of and so he would be very familiar with with what's going on there it's a privileged citizenship uh, to be a part of the Roman uh, people now with all that being said i think this helped explain some of the content of the letter of romans there's a huge jewish population in rome so big that when they riot it's it's impactful enough that they can all get kicked out of the city there's a huge jewish population there and um, a lot of or a significant portion of those jewish people have become christians at the same time, there's lots of Gentile Christians there, whether they're Greeks or Romans, um, and so the church in Rome is populated by Jews and Gentiles together, living in this context of a very religious Gentile people, as well as a very zealous Roman uh, Jewish people. Sorry, not Roman people, but Jewish people. So here's this church, Jews and Gentiles together with Jews around them who aren't believers but are really zealous and Gentiles around them who aren't believers but are really zealous for their pagan religion, and so they this church is trying to find figure out how to do life together as Christians, as people who are in Christ, in this really tense um, situation where you've got people who will be against you because you're leaving their religion. And you'll have you have a crazy emperors in the city who have enough power to just kill you if they want to, as well as to kick all of you out of the city if they want to. So this is their scenario, and so Paul is writing to them, um, addressing so many issues that will are planning for peace. How do we have a Christian view of the law so we can live together? How do we have a Christian view of um, transformation by the spirit so that we can live together? How do we have um, a generous Christian view of um, being a Jewish Christian who might want to still observe the dietary laws, might want to still hold Sabbaths so that we aren't fighting against each other, but living together in peace in Christ, I think that helps explain it a little bit. There, the the Christian church there is um, this two people groups come who are one in Christ, who have to figure out how to live together in the midst of a very volatile city that can turn against you with violence at any time, and so I think that helps us understand why Paul writes for so long, why his argument is so in depth, and why he keeps returning to Jews and Gentiles together. And you can see right in the first chapter, he says, um, this gospel is the power of God for salvation to all who believe, first to the Jew and to the Gentile. So why is that Bring he's bringing that up? Because he's talking to these people, these two people groups who are called to live together as one in Christ in the midst of a super volatile city. And that's a constant theme. How do people who really couldn't live together on their own become one people in christ drawing together all the old testament as well as everything that jesus has accomplished through the cross i think that helps explain what's going on in romans so hopefully this has been a blessing to you thanks for listening and uh, hopefully it helps enrich your time prayerfully reading through the book of romans be blessed